Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Costello, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy rollercoaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Fasillo. Hello, everybody. It's Marguerite Costello, and welcome, welcome to Real Estate Real World. I am very excited today to have a very special guest. It's kind of crazy. We've ran in a lot of the same circles for a while now. We know a lot of the same people, but crazy as it seems, we have not connected yet. So I've been really excited to meet Deborah Trey Penn, right? Did I say it right? Trey Penn is exactly it. Awesome. Is the owner and head of Sass and Moxie at V11, which we're going to hear all about. She founded the firm to help growth-minded leaders fire up, uncover who they are, and become their best self. This transits into a life, brand, business, culture, and attitude that all shine online to attract ideal connections, grow influence, and build a prosperous business that fires them up. A sought-after speaker, she is, and has been, educator and author, Deborah's been spotlighted and interviewed on several platforms, publications, podcasts across the globe, including our fabulous podcast today. When she is not igniting an audience on stage or creating in her studio, you will find her walking her pups or traveling and wine tasting with her husband for her passion project, Women on Wine TV. I love that one. Her first book, Fire Up, Taking Your Life and Business to Eleven is available on Amazon.com, and we'll for sure be posting a link on the show notes on our podcast today. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. So, you know, like I was saying, we ran in a lot of the same circles. Uh, you know Heather Ostrom. She's right here in my hood, and she's fantastic. Love, love, love her. And she was saying, you've got to get her on the show. You've got to get her on the show. So... We made it a point to reach out to you, so thank you for being here today. You bet. I, I do love me some hoe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was talking up. It was, uh, I think she turned 42 years ago, or last year, I can't remember. And somebody did that graphic for her that was the 40 ho. I loved it. I was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, that man, it, she is so awesome. Yeah, she is something else. <laughs> we did a podcast with her um, and her husband uh, last year, and I said, I'm going to have to get her on the show all by her little lonesome. So we love Steve, but, but we'll kick him to the curb for a little uh, Heather, Heather time. So. Well, so tell me a little bit about, so tell me what it is you're doing. What is D11? What, tell me all this stuff. Sure. So let me kind of back up and share a little bit about my background and why D11 exists. So I've been in real estate or serving real estate since 2002. I started off as a realtor here in the Park Northwest for a, the largest affiliate for Cold Anchor and worked my way from real estate agent to a trainer and recruiter for the company, helping them kind of build their sales force here, and then ultimately took over the recruiting, retention, and training department in 2008 and everybody who's listening to this who was in real estate in 2008 is like oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah seriously it went from you know when I started recruiting for the company it went from like seven or eight hundred people a month 
getting their real estate license to zero. Wow. Overnight. Yeah, I remember. They were, they were not getting their license. And so those three areas of creating attention and training became even more epic for the company because yeah. nobody was getting their license. And so I found social media and started using Facebook as an attraction platform. I connected to as many real estate agents in the company as I could and would kind of talk about and advertise the fun things that we were doing in my CD. And whether it was training or my partner and I were going on the road to do fun workshop series. And it really was, you know, we were one of the first brokerages to do in the country. And so about in about 2010, I met Katie Lance. Yeah, I love her. She's awesome. She is awesome. She is one of my besties. And I met her on Twitter. She was actually pregnant at the time with her baby, her, her youngest. And she was planning an agent reboot here in Seattle. And she said, she's tweeting out like, hey, does anybody know anybody in this area? And I was like, hello, who are you? And what is this? Like, yeah. what is this to do? You know? And so we just became quickly connected, and I was part of kind of the, I always call it like the Katie and Chris generation of Inman. Yeah. And, you know, I was one of her first ambassadors, if not maybe one of the, the first she asked, and was so in, just ingrained with that group. And I yeah. love it. I have all over the country under Cold Anchor. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, I did that for a few years, and in 2012, in New York City at Connect. Standing on top of 30 rocks. And now, you know, I'm a believer. So, like, I, I, I hear, I get this, like, warm feeling, and I'm totally hearing the spirit say, you're thinking too small. Um, you're thinking too small. You need to start your own thing now. And I was like, what? <laughs> 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 I love myself. Like, I'm traveling all over. I'm getting to see all these great people. And it was just, it was so huge and so loud that I went back and I could talk to my boss. And he, he knew when I walked in the room, he was like, who are you thinking on doing And so I sat down with him, and we put together kind of an exit strategy. He was one of my first clients. He introduced me to some of my other first clients. And I just branched out on my own because, you know, at the end of the day, the bulk of what I do is really helping people get out of their way so that they can actually build a life and a business that does fire them up. Yeah. Over those 10 years of working and being a real estate agent, I saw so many people chasing the wrong version of success. They were chasing someone else's business success or someone else's life success. And so when they would come into my office and I'd mentor them, usually about every three years, this would happen. You know, like I'd see them, they just come in in about three years, they were like, oh, I did that, am I doing the right thing? And it was because they were watching some hot producer channel and thinking, that's who I need to be and that's the kind of client. I need to be a luxury agent if I want to be a woman. It's like, no. Right. No. And, and I wanted to change that conversation. Plain and simple. It was like, you know, we spend so much time in the real estate industry talking about online leads uh-huh. and lead conversion and all of this, all of this, like, outside of who we are as people. And we don't do personal development. We don't talk about what we value. We don't talk about what we do to, in our private time that really fuels us and energizes us. And even more, we don't talk about what our purpose is. So we don't have any connection with who we are. So how could we possibly 
serve the right people. And so that's the mission. It's the fire mission is to go out there and really create a movement, ripples, that help people define what I call their core core to their core values. They're filling their soul tank with yep. uh, yep, their purpose. And then those three, really, I have created a formula to turn those three into their niche statement. It really helps them intentionally define who their ideal client is, so they know who they're trapped, and then how to speak to them, how to tell them, here's the problem you've got that I want to solve, and then ultimately how they want to leave people feeling before, during, and after they do a transaction. So it's not just about that one moment, it's about how they interact that emotes that feeling they want people to have. You know, as you're speaking my language, <laughs> you know, because especially now with social media too, right? It has become so um, challenging for so many to, like, even the way the brokerages are. I'm, I'm a little bit trying to figure out what words that I want to use, but you know, you walk in and you see this leaderboard, and the leaderboard is all about who sold the most houses that month, who did the most volume. And everybody else feels inadequate, right? The moment you see that, if your name is not number one, everyone feels inadequate. And a lot of that happens on social media, too. When you walk into a lot of these conferences and the speakers up there are all talking about, you know, selling 12,000 homes a year or some exaggerated, ridiculous number, everyone feels like, oh my gosh, I can never do that. I can never keep up with that. But at the end of the day, do you even want to? I mean, I've been in real estate 23 years. I've sold a ton of homes, and I've had all the different levels of success. And I'll tell you, the last two years where I've sold a tenth of what I did in my heyday, I've been happier, more profitable, you know, have more time on my hands, more freedom, because my version of success has changed. And... I just want people to know that that's okay, and that's exactly what you're saying. Well, here's here's the dirty little secret, is that women think this way. Yeah. However, in a space where 60% of the sales force is female, almost 80 to 90% of the trainers and speakers are male. Yes, and, so and, true. And the leadership is male. And so even though the, a female perspective is what, how we need to build our success structure, when we're defining that, when we are going out to build business, we don't want to hear the word networking. We want to hear the word connecting. And and if you hear the word networking, you want to understand about how it's actually connecting to people, not about collecting people. And, and a lot of the training and, and a lot of the conversations out there are very masculine messages. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it can't be the only message. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations like this where we're really like, oh my gosh, yes! Like finally someone is speaking my language. And that's the reality. I got the most entertaining and irritating email from a, a gentleman who had asked me to send a proposal to speak at one of his conferences. And it said, basically, dear Deborah, I'm not quite sure how to say this, but your messages are really feminine. <laughs> and, well, um, yeah. I'm a girl, uh, and I'm a woman, and yeah. I'm speaking into women, so 
what are you expecting? I'm not going to give you battle and war analogies. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you sports analogies. And I, I'm going to give you the terms that are going to resonate with your audience. Now, not all women like sparkle, right. uh, but not all men like sports either. Right. And and so it's just a shift in a, in a fresh fresh message that I think people are really ready for. I think people are ready to. I often call it personal development meets business, and it's about it's being who you are and really comfortable in that, so that when you do walk in the office and you see, you know, Joe Schmo uh, number one again, you just say, "Good for Joe! Yeah. I know that he loves being number one, but I know that success to me means being able to travel." three months out of the year and to be home every night to have dinner with my family and see my kids games on the weekends. That's success to me and I'm number one on that. Yes. And I think that, you know, once the leadership can actually embrace that and once they can have the conversations where they understand what my version of success is and what yours is and what all of their engagements are, they'll actually be able to better motivate them. And that's huge. So, so with that said, because I've been saying the same thing for a while, like I said, I can't believe we haven't had this conversation sooner, it is the same thing, is it? If 60 plus percent of the, of the workforce is women, why doesn't the leadership reflect that more? Or not even the leadership, let's take that out of the equation for a moment. Why doesn't the conferences have more women speaking? Why don't they have more women examples for people to look at that are not this, again, four and 500? I mean, if you go to any conference these days, I would say that the majority of the speakers are men. So what can we do to change that? Well... It's all about speaking up and speaking out. It's about voting with your feet and your dollars. And if you you talk to your your brokerage, your leadership, and say, here are five female speakers that I've seen and heard and connected with, I want to see them on stage. I want to be more represented. I want my gender represented, and I want the sales force represented. And you have to you have to like give them that information because what I hear so often is, well, there aren't very many female speakers. Well, the reality is, is there aren't, but there are female speakers. Right. And and just like there's so many conversations swirling around, um, in in politics and other areas and across the globe, is women until they see themselves in a position. They don't know that it's possible for them. So if more women were to see more women on stage, would more women step into being the speaker they're meant to be? I think so. But I think that they're, they're disenchanted by going there and seeing the same three male keynote speakers who, again, this isn't male bashing. I mean, there's some great male speakers out there. But in order for the change to happen, we have to we actually have to take action and say, hire these people, talk to these people. Uh, you know, I have a whole group of um, power women speakers who, like, our goal is when you get the call for an event, who uh, asking who else do you need? Who can you add to the list? Who can I add to the list? I've got great other people, um, and 
that's, that's a great step, but we also need the men to step up. We need the men out there to say, whoa, like I've seen the same person time and time again. When are we getting a female perspective? Because we've seen a lot of conversations in the last two weeks, right, in our industry about people, people saying, you know, women are part of this conversation, so their voice needs to be heard. And, and I think that one thing that I found very helpful is when you speak to things like home wallet decisions, like when I was talking to men who are like, oh, you know, it's super feminine, I don't really, you know, I don't know if the fire up is really going to resonate. It's like, well, let's just talk about the consumer then for a second. Right. 90% of the home wallet decision, especially in a real estate transaction, is made by the female in the house. Right. So, whoa, you think we maybe need to have some perspective, um, some feminine perspective, and some female perspective on what is happening out there so that men and women inside real estate can serve the consumer better and that they can serve them in a voice that the consumer understands. I think that's pretty powerful. Well, so I had a conversation um, a while back with uh, Lee Brown. I had a conversation with her on a podcast and she was talking about getting more involved politically, right? Like with NAR and your associations. And and my response to her was, so I, I'll give you just a little bit of background on me. I got my license in 93. In 96, I started selling real estate. I had uh, my oldest son, Jordan, who was uh, eight years old at the time, and I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old, right? So uh, I was, my life was crazy, and I was trying to sell real estate and do all these things, and I decided that I would become a part of Women's Council of Realtors, and I was the president of our local WCR in 1999. And while I love the organization in a lot of ways, the, that year for me was brutal in the way that I was treated, the way that um, the environment and the space was, and it kind of changed me a little bit to get involved because it has become so political in so many ways that it's challenging sometimes to get your message across, right? And it's also challenging to try to sell real estate, raise kids, be a wife, you know, <laughs> take care of everybody. And, and I say a lot of times, so the difference for most men, not all men, but most men in leadership positions also have a wife who many times is if they're not an at-home mom, they still take care of a lot of the details behind the scenes because that's just who women are. And so men are able to go and be these leaders and be these speakers and follow and do all the things that they do because they have a support system at home. For many women, we don't have a wife. <laughs> we don't have that support system. So when we're raising kids, we're away from our kids if we go do that. And so for like me, I'm a perfect example. I'm now 53, like I'll be 53 in a couple weeks. And my children are now gone. So my kids are now 20 and 21 and they're off at school and doing their thing. And so now I do have the time. And, and I have a, an amazing husband who is very supportive of everything that I do. But now I have that time and that freedom, but I didn't for most of the last 20 years of my career. I just was not, I didn't have the time, the energy, the resources to go deal with all of the politics and, and all that stuff going on. So I think that that, for most women, they're trying to do it all, and something has to give. Well, 
So I think there's a couple of things in there. So first of all, thank you for serving WCR. I think that that's an organization I really pray that they embrace what what it is that they do and that they don't let it get too vanilla because I feel like, you know, I've seen some of the groups start to take, like, women out and it's just that they help entrepreneurs in real estate. Like, I feel like they're dumbing it down so they don't, so it's losing its power of raising a powerful female leader. Yeah. Um, but I love that group. I'm, you know, I'm part of the largest in Washington here, and I've spoken at other WCRs across the country, and I love the energy in most of those groups. Yeah. Right. Um, but let's speak to a couple of things. First is, I think women in general, yes, especially in the 80s, they started taking on corporate careers and they didn't leave anything behind. Right. They didn't leave the responsibilities in the home or they didn't delegate those to someone else. So that's that's a first big you know moment for people to recognize what they did. But second is, and, and we do it ourselves, uh, we say the wife, like, I need a wife. I say that. I think it all the time. And like, actually, what I need is a personal assistant. Yeah. And and so I think we need to also change our conversation in the terms we use. It's like, I need a, I will feel successful when I have a personal assistant who can help me with the activities that I don't need to do. Yeah. Like that's really, yeah, that's what we're saying when we say we need a wife. Because that's exactly what the partner does that has the extra time or is, you know, just more productive. Yeah, delegating is a huge challenge for women, I think, because for many of us, we feel like that's our job. Like, that's not, and that's the way a lot of us were raised, is that, you know, like, I know when I got a, a nanny in my house and, and a housekeeper, my mom was like, I can't believe you're delegating that, you know, she since just changed her opinion dramatically, but, you know, at, at that time, she was like, couldn't believe I, she was like, that's your job. Why would you, why would you have anybody else raise your kids? I said, well, first of all, they're not raising my kids. They're helping out, <laughs> you know, with my kids. Uh, they're helping do all the stuff that I hate to do so I can actually enjoy my children and have fun and spend time with them, you know. Right. But I think that's a big roadblock for many. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think you're right. I, and I think, you know, when, when I work with mostly women, and I work mostly with Gen X women that are between the age of 30 and 60, that's a huge demographic that's incredibly underserved. Everyone is so obsessed with the boomer who is retiring yeah. or the millennial who's just freaking studying. And there's this whole, this whole group of women who are in the thick of their second act. It's a beautiful time in their lives and their careers where a lot of them have more freedom because their children are getting older. Exactly. And they're and they're ready to step into that next level of power in their careers, in their relationships, whether it's the sisterhood relationships or their relationships with their partners at home. You know, they're finally ready to say, Okay, so now I can re engage with myself so I can re engage with the world in a different place. And I can show up differently. Yeah. And and we're we're excited to do that. We have so many conversations that don't lead us down that path, that are that are so focused on the generation before us or, or behind us that we're not actually planting into or pouring into ourselves. And so we feel shame when somebody questions us for having a nanny. We feel shame when somebody says, I can't believe you don't have one. What's wrong with you? Right. It's like we can't win. And so, you know, a big part of the core four when working with women is, you know, once you figure out what your purpose is, like, 
pour as much time into your family inside your purpose. So if you if your purpose is to make people laugh or is to inspire them or is to solve problems with them, then make a lot of your family and relationships time around things that tap into your purpose. Because that's where you and your family are going to connect the most. Versus if you don't like to solve problems and you aren't interested in the fun activities, you're much more efficient than that. You want to get things going, then maybe you make lunches together as opposed to doing puzzles together. You know, like you can actually build the time you have with your family out through your core work because you're then you're actually choosing the right activities to invest in, and those other ones other people can do just because they love those. They want to finger paint or whatever it is with your kids. So let your kids build great relationships with the tribe who wants to do those things. Um, I think, you know, when I talk about purpose, I talk, talk about it a lot in the context of your tribal talent because I really think that there's this element that would be lost and that is women have to be everything. Oh, I know. do it all. And, and I think we've all basically at this point said, screw that. I can't be everything. But now what? But now what do I do? So I know I can't be everything, but all this stuff still needs to get done. And so if you can go through that process of defining those things and, and then find the people who fill in your blanks. I, um, I read an article the other day that it's something like 42% of Gen X women don't, didn't have children. Oh, wow, that is a big number. That's surprising. Yeah. I'm one of them. Yeah. We didn't have kids. Right. I have dogs. However, I have so many children in my life because I'm crazy auntie Nate. Yeah. And when my friends need a break or they need help, I'm that person. And so, but I had to aggressively say to them, it's okay, ask me. It's okay. I I wasn't even like, all right. Like, I have a purpose in our tribe. It's just not populating. It's entertaining it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we need that, that's for sure. Right. And so it's being able to step into the power of of your purpose and and figuring out where you belong also is so powerful for women. And then the shame melts away because you realize, oh my goodness, I know where I fit. And my mom friends get some relief because they're like, oh, I don't have to do that activity. Deb loves to do that. Yeah. She can do that with them. You know, like, hey, we need lots of every day. Get that cake together. And I'm like, yes, I want to. So, I mean, that's just a small example of how you can really plug into, you know, a tribe in a different way than they talk about it, again, online with um, how we market and sell things to people. This is like how you live. How you maybe truly build a, a village that knows how to support each other? You know, so I remember having a conversation one day with. Um, well, there's two parts to this. So first of all, when I was around 12 years old, I remember going and buying, uh, making this gift for my mom, and it was this. You know, where you get the the plaster and you paint something. You know, you can go to those little shops and you can paint a little thing. So I painted this sign that said Super Mom. And I thought, oh, how cool is that? So I did this whole thing for my mom. And I remember she had it hanging on the wall for years. And then one day she had a meltdown over I don't know what. And she was like, smashed it and said, I'm not super mom. I can't be everything to everybody. And it was, it was exactly what you're saying. It was such a powerful moment. 
And I remember being sad that she like broke this thing that I made and then having a conversation with her later. And of course, as you get older, you realize why your mom does some of the things she does when you have to experience it, right? And I remember a few times thinking, man, if I could just smash that Superman, super, you know, But the other thing is, is what you said about being everything to everybody is, I even had that conversation in my relationship with my husband. It's like we many times think that our husband has to be our best friend, you know, our 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 lover, our you know, provider. Our, he has to be all of these things, as we have to be everything. And at some point, you realize that they can't be part of every conversation. Like I need good girlfriend time, right? Where maybe I can just can complain about my husband, <laughs> or I need good friend's time who can help me solve certain problems that maybe he can't solve. And so when you expect one person to be all of that, they can never live up to that, and you'll always be disappointed. And it's the same thing in looking within yourself, don't you think? Exactly. It's, it's the perfect analogy. It's, and, you know, I think that, again, I think that we are in such an amazing time. At this point, right now, on this planet, that there is there's an uprising of feminine energy. There is an awareness of we we know that we are powerful beings, and we know that we need to connect to one another, and we also know that we need to give ourselves grace along this journey, just as we would to a best friend who forgot to pick her kid up at three o five and is stressed out and falling her eyes out. But it's okay. You're a human. And you you can't do it all. You can't be perfect every second. And I think just giving each other grace is great, but giving yourself grace is even more important. And I think that we're we're having so many more conversations like that. So many women are stepping into connection and collaboration with each other as opposed to competition. And it's so, I mean, I've seen such a shift. I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the same thing, but wow, it's quite beautiful. Articles, post, you name it. Yeah. And you have a, a very special group, which is a secret group, so we can't talk about it, but you have a very special group of really strong, powerful women that I just love and I see nothing but love and support in there and encouragement and I think there needs to be more of that you know more places that women can go where it is okay that you're not you're not going to be beat up or you know harassed or and it, it's tough I mean it's, it's a tough industry like I said we talked early on about it being so dominated by men and not to bash on the men we love 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 our men but, oh, yeah. but, you know, we we definitely need that space where we can go and not feel many of the things that we may feel the moment that the men walk in the room. Well, you know, uh, that group of women, the reason I actually started that group was because I was at a conference and I had the, like the fourth lunch in a row where women were talking about these really big issues inside the space, not just the real estate industry, but business in general as a woman. And I was thinking, we really do need a, a space where we can cultivate positive solutions 
And that's a, that's a huge thing for me, is I didn't want to create a group that was negative and that was just one post after another about all the junk out there. Because we all know that things need to change. Mm. And so a big part of, you know, or a lot of the energy that I poured into that group is really making sure that we're navigating to the, the, the best version of the conversation so that we can ultimately get to our own best opinion about a topic and then take it out. Take it out of the group. Go out there and say, you know, I've had some great conversations around women in leadership, and let me share with you the top five things I think we can do to improve that. And, you know, that that is why the group exists. It's not so that people can complain or, you know, although we do. Right. We, vent, we talk about the hot messes and the successes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, the, that's where the power of that group comes from, is that people feel that they can, whether it's a goofy video that is going to make the group smile or... It's really a big issue that does need to be talked about, and things like women in leadership and and the speaker conversation about how there are so many male speakers out there who who really actually aren't good. They are they're perpetuating misogynistic and sexist and ageist topics and conversations, and so we also need to use our voice for that to say no more. Don't call women in real estate little girls. Don't, that's not okay. Don't teach at us like we don't know. Don't mansplain, right? I love that. And it's okay. And it's okay to step into that. So interesting um, that you say that because I, I, I think the thing that bothers me many times, or in, not necessarily intimidates me, but intimidates some, is that when we do speak up and we do make those comments about how they should be more sensitive to women, then we're accused of being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. All right? Oh, you know, why, why do you even take that so serious? Like, I know there was a conversation about um, how a speaker was getting up there and he was implying that women were, the, he wasn't saying they were the weaker sex, but the way that he was explaining stories was that it was clearly women he was talking about, not necessarily men. And so when you bring that up, it's like, oh, you're too sensitive, or I can't, you know, I was just joking. And I have had those conversations a lot with people that I care about. It's like, okay, what's joking to you is I've heard it so much in my career that it's kind of not a joke anymore, right? Yeah. It's kind of not okay to continue to um, insult women or make jokes about women or over and over and over again. It's like... I've heard it so many times, it's not okay. And I know that a lot of that has happened or happens at conferences and events and speaker things where it's like, I was just joking, that was no big deal. So how do we change that? I mean, I start with my kids. So after some recent events, I have five boys and one girl. So I have five boys. And I sat down and had a conversation with my son, uh, Philip, especially. He's 31 years old. And I said, who am I in this situation by you? And I want to know, you know, what are your thoughts and how would you have handled that and what would you have done? And it's interesting conversations because I think that especially some of the younger men are kind of confused too. Like we're not sure what we can say, what we can't say, and, and what can be considered a joke and what can't be considered a joke. And 
I mean, some stuff is obvious, but some stuff not obvious. And I think, as a mom of five boys, it's my job to have those conversations with them to say, this is not okay, this is how I felt when you said that, this is, you know, how we can change that a bit and change it for the next generation. Yeah, you know what's interesting is I've had a lot of conversations with moms of older children, so in their teens and 20s, and a lot of conversations with, um, you know, a lot of my friends' children are under the age of five still, and so my conversations with them are, are very different. It's like, you know, what, how they're cultivating those conversations, and I think that pretty much there's this, this generation seems to be like around the 25 and under that was really raised by us, right, right? raised by Gen X. And they're scratching their heads going, how can they think it's okay to say that? Because they were actually raised by women who were stepping into their, you know, into the essence of who they are. Versus the men that we're talking about, um, and and the and the women, by the way, it's not just men. It is it's an attitude. It's not even really an age. So the people who have this attitude about the the weaker sex, or or you know, even remotely sprinkle that into the conversations. They were raised with a likely a stay at home mom who was a, you know, Beaver Cleaver's mama who did all those details and, and was in a very for that time traditional role. Right. And so it's very hard for that generation and I get it. It's hard for them to see things change. Change is not easy to adapt when you like the current circumstance. Mm-hmm. And there, it's like, I read this article the other day that was like, um, you know, patriarchy is going away. Like, it's going, we're not going to have that. We're not going to be a patriarchal society very much longer. And maybe in our lifetimes that the, the split of the switch will be complete. I don't know. But it's definitely changing. We've got lots of leaders of countries that are female now and and women who can't break into the ceiling of the C-level suite offices at their company are starting their own. Right. They're saying, that's what I love. Screw this. Yeah. You know, and, and I, uh, you know, I serve the real estate space, and of course I love it, and I, and I, so I, I love the problems in there, even though they frustrate me, so I want to be part of the solutions. But I also serve the, the, the network marketing or the MLM space, and that's a space where 80% are wow. female, 80% of Salesforce, and 70% of that 80% are in that 30 to 60 years old. They're basically saying, like, I want to have control over how much money I make and when I work. And, and I I don't see a traditional leadership role fitting into my version of success. So they're leaders in their own way. They're, they're influencing in their own way. It just doesn't look like this traditional 1960s, yeah. you know, exactly. and it's, I think that's, the conversations just need to shift. We need to really start highlighting those. We need to talk about those issues. We need to talk about those stories. And and I think that, you know, you're doing that with your podcast. I definitely do that with the Fire Echo Chats. And, you know, we're going to shift into a, a, a new level even in that Facebook group where we're going to take it to a level of changing the conversation in the world. Not not sharing our conversations, but taking the conversations that are really vibrating us as a group 
and saying the reason this is vibrating is because we need to be having this on the planet. We need to, we need to start these conversations and really be part of the solution yeah. as opposed to part of the noise. You know, I know that the thing that I love about real estate so much, and I even said this uh, the other day when uh, Brad and then was making a comment in one of his groups about, you know, health insurance and the struggles with it. And I said, well, you know, I, I agree that costs are outrageous and the issues, but the thing that I love about real estate more than anything is I am in charge of my own economy. I am in charge of my own destiny, my own ability. I can make as much money as I want or as little money as I want. And that wasn't really an, offer, an option for my mom, right? So my mom grew up, I was raised by a single mom who worked a job, you know, 40 plus hours a week and made very little money and had very little say in what she did or how she did it. And she made sure that I knew I had more choices, you know, so I give her kudos for that. Uh, but that's one of the things that I love about real estate is that my options and opportunities are limitless. And I love seeing more women going into their own business and, and creating their own space, like, like what you've done and Katie's done and so many have just said, well, screw that, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to just go start my own. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be a leader of my own little part of this world. Right. Well, and you know, even to what you were talking about earlier is when when, we're, when we finally do step into uh, a, a position of strength and we feel bold enough to speak our truth and say what you just said was not appropriate. Okay. I'm not offended by it. Right. However, when you were talking, when you talk, talking from the is right, sexist, ageist, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, that we, I'm okay if somebody thinks I'm being sensitive. Right. That's what, I'm speaking my truth. Right. I'm telling you that talking to me that way, touching me there, speaking from the platform saying that, I'm telling you not okay. that is not okay. Yeah. And when they, when they say it, when they don't change, I can vote with my feet. Yeah. I can vote with my, with my pocketbook and say, I'm out of here. If this conference is going to continue to host these people who speak you know, inappropriate conversation from the stage, I'm, I'm not going to go anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to participate. And I think that's the scary next step that a lot of us need to be okay with, that when somebody is on stage and is being sexist and is saying incredibly inappropriate things, we need to be, we need to step into it, stand up, and walk out. And say something to someone and you know yeah, so, so don't don't shrink the part that says say something to someone right yeah like, I yeah. think that is a powerful part because I would love to believe and I hope that this is true that their intention when they're speaking is not to be sexist they they don't know I would love to believe that I know that's not always the case but I do think that something has to be said to them because I know with my own boys and my husband that sometimes I've said something and I'm like, well, why did that even bother you? I said, well, let me explain why and why you can't say that anymore. And so I think that needs to be said. That part is so powerful. You have to speak up and say something. Even if you're not, not comfortable saying it in person, write a note, <laughs> write a letter, speak to somebody. Because I do think some of the men leaders are willing to listen, 
they're just not hearing it enough or they haven't heard it. Well, and, I, I, and you're absolutely right. That's where the solutions come in. It's, it is speaking up, speaking the truth in, in that situation. And the, what's the worst that's going to happen? That's what I, you know, I have so many women who message me, you know, private messages about, you know, here's what happened, how should I handle that? And so, you know, what do you want the end result to be? Yeah. Like, let's look at what, what do you want the ultimate result to be? Do you, do you want them to ask for forgiveness? Do you want them to write a blog post about it? Like, what is it that you're seeking? Because I think that once men understand or once women understand that they've said something that if one person is stepping out, there's likely at least 10, maybe more people who are like, what? I didn't say anything. And, and, and they want to, especially when they're educators at heart and they're people who really want to speak into and, and affect and make a difference, yeah. that they want to know that. Um, now, not all are like that, but you can't control that. All you can control is to say, here's the experience I had with the content that you shared. I believe it could be much more powerful if you left X, Y, and Z out. Yeah. Those comments were distracting and you know condescending and whether you see it that way or not I'm telling you there is an element of that and and let them do with it what they wish that's why I say if they don't you can only tell them if I control and then if they don't change all you can control is staying or going yeah exactly and so and and also the, the next step is saying Hey, have you seen Marguerite Speak? Have you seen Deborah Speak? Have you seen Katie Speak? Let's get them in here next year because we're going to speak and empower and engage and elevate our conversations from a different perspective. I guess he likes this guy, but hey, how about having a female perspective and and actually giving them some guidance? Because I think that, again, anybody that's leading an organization with a servant heart wants to feed their people the information that they don't know that they need yeah. or that their people are saying, this, I'd love to get more of this. Like, it's like being a parent. You want your kids to be happy. Leaders want their their staff and their sales force to be happy. Yeah. They know happy humans are more productive. <laughs> so, so give them the instruction manual for crying out loud. Like, help them out. So a couple of things I want to make sure we talk about before we wrap up today because we could probably talk for like a month. But uh, is, you talked a little bit about, before we got on the air, about doing a virtual conference of some sort. And I do want to talk about your book. Okay. So the virtual conference, uh, I, I'm imagining actually it will probably become a series. And it's going to be on, you know, taking our conversations to the next level and really really finding the opportunities to ignite change in our own communities. And so one of the things that I loved that you talked about earlier was that. So when I say, when somebody says something that I'm like, ooh, I don't really like that, and actually find my brave soldier inside to go up and say here's what happened and they do shrug it off when they say oh I was just kidding or oh I was too sensitive we're going to talk about that and like give some ideas give some suggestions on how you can respond when somebody says that because I think that we need to be more confident in those discussions just like real estate loves to talk about listing things or talking with different types of clients, we also need to be armed with some bullet points that make us feel more confident to step into those conversations 
to wake some people up and and to also shine a light on the people who realize the transgression and change. So we can say, you know, God, I had this great conversation with this person, and wow, the next time I saw them speak, it was like night and day. It was such a beautiful thing. I did that. I had a part in that, you know, where those are the stories that I want to start being able to share. So um, at this point, the the save the date for the first is December 2nd, and there will be plenty of information coming out on that. I'll I'll be sure to update you as soon as possible so that we can add that to the blog post. Um, talk a bit more about that. But it's, it, we're going to do something virtual. We've never, I've never done this before. I've participated in virtual conferences as a speaker, but I've never really wrangled one myself. And so um, there's a, a group of advisors that I pulled together from that group and said, hey, you want to go on this journey? And they said yes. Yeah, so, I'm excited to, to hear yeah. about part of it however I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a, a shorter version of something like this for that specifically for your audience. Because I'm sure there's plenty oh, of yeah. men and women. It's not just a man. This is benefit from Yeah, this is this is a a gender and generation neutral conversation, yeah. and I think that's a huge piece. Yeah. So before we wrap up, let's talk uh, quickly about your book because I just ordered it, so I haven't read it yet, but I ordered the Kindle version, so I can read it because I'm excited to read it. And it's called Fired Up. Yep, it's called Fire Up, Taking Your Life and Business to Eleven. And I will tell you, so here's the most interesting journey. Uh, um, I'm not sure, have you written a book? I'm yes. in the process of finishing it. Yes. I love it. Yes. Awesome. So here's the thing that I learned about the writing my, my first book. The, the reason behind it wasn't to sell thousands of books. It was to clarify my message. And this is this is huge because when I started my own company, when I started G11, actually Katie and I started our businesses on the same day. Oh wow! Uber first, well, I know it's like we we have so many kindred moments in our lives. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, this is insane. I know. So, but because I'm I'm very savvy on social media, it, it took me a long time for people to understand. I'm not a social media coach. I don't talk about social media. And so the reason behind writing the book was to really get people to understand here's the philosophy. And I used it, you know, for things like getting more speaking and things like that. But again, it really didn't, I didn't do it to make the New York Times bestseller list, right? That wasn't an intention. However, now a year later, I have written a workshop based on the book. And so what that did for me is it actually helped me expand the book. So I have a second version coming out of the book in January, and it's just, it's, it's, it's similar content, but it's on steroids. Mm. And it's really digging in deeper into the exercises and deeper into the content because now I'm ready to take it out into the world, not just into the real estate space, but actually out into the world to say, if you're an independent slash professional, if you are a small business owner and your personal brand affects how much business you get. If who you are is your brand, then you need to read this book. Absolutely. Because it talks about that personal brand and personal development in this business and how I'm what happens, this this content and and this mission and this fire movement is all about what happens before you go on Facebook, Um. before you create a website. It's, It's first. 
And so it's been such an amazing, amazing adventure. The, the workshop and with the workshop that right now I do most of it inside the real estate space, fill up associations and put together a really fun uh, partnership program for new associations. That's a mutually beneficial kind of revenue model so that they can actually pour back into their teams and membership because we're working together. Right. And so it's not just it's not only about money. I mean, I'm obviously an in-business, not a nonprofit. Right. <laughs> but that's not the that's not what success means to me. Right. right. I want I want people out there who are finally going. This was a game changer for me. It changed my life. I now know who I am. I know when to say yes. I know how to confidently say no. And I finally know what success means to me. So this this next version, this B2, if you will. I did this really fun, I don't know if you've ever used 99 Designs, uh-uh. but they it, they basically go in and you say, here's, I need a book cover. And they say, okay, they think you answer all these questions. And then all these designers put together their own design thought process based on what you said. And then, oh, wow, I'm going to use that for sure. Totally. I definitely highly recommend it. I think that I just mentioned something when you say like 50 bucks. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, awesome. And so then they give you like this landing page and you send that link out to people that you know me and they vote. Oh, so, I love it. Yes, and so, and me too, right? Because it's definitely, it's bringing people in on the journey. Yes, I love And that. so uh, this next one, like my current cover is adorable. And yeah, it is. Signed by a good friend of mine, and it really leans on things on my personal brand. I'm number 11, polka dots, my red hair, pearls. Yep. But this one is definitely a much more intense. It's a close up headshot of me looking right into the camera and fire up its huge. And it's a totally different feel. And you'll totally get a kick out of this. Um, so, one of the things that that I was asked is was who, whose book do you want to be next to? Oh, that's a great thought. And, right? And so I was like, okay, so I want to be in between Tony Robbins and Joel Osteen. Oh. Like, oh. Like, that for me, like, that's the space, right? Yeah. I love Tony Robbins, but man, he goes down those F-bombs like nobody's business. And I love Joel, but he's 100% about scripture, right. and I'm right in the middle. Like, I want I want moms to be able to listen to my messages with the kids in the car. Well, I'm going to want my book next to yours. <laughs> that's going to be my goal. That's going to be right next to yours. <laughs> yeah. so that's what I, I think getting excited about uh, writing a book, I thought can be great for you, you know, and, and have a conversation okay. on the show about writing their book, yeah. about writing a story. Oh, my gosh. Um, we all have a book inside of us. Get it out. And once I wrote that book, I have three more books yeah. that I'm writing. Yeah. Like this is this has now become my obsession. I'm like, okay, so how can I do? How can I build a business around writing my content, writing these books, and doing this fun stuff? I swear we must be like sisters from a different mister or something. I don't know. You all of a sudden I I mean, I'm, I've been trying to finish my first book, but. Even without finishing that, I already have a couple more in in my head, and I just have to get them done. So, you know, I found writing a book is all about having somebody that keeps you accountable. Yeah. Um, writing a book on your own, especially your first, is well, it's exhilarating and exhausting. Yeah. And and so for oh, me, wow. I, hired, you know, I hired an editor who man did she crack the whip, and it was awesome. And I mean, I wrote the book in less than three months because of her. 
Well, I'm going to need her information because mine is already really written. I just have to finish it up. And I, I was just saying I need the editor. I need that person to help finish yeah. it. Yeah. And, and the person who's kind of listen to says, you know, hey, it might is not in your content yeah. line. We can help you get a fresh review. Exactly. Uh, so the last little tip that, that I'd love to share is one of the things that writing the book and going through this journey and having the Facebook group and having all of these powerful um, mentors, both men and women, in my life, I realized this last year, I, I needed to shift my business model to um, less time for money exchange. And because I wanted to write more. Yeah. I wanted to and so my mentor, uh, Alice, told me he read this book called The Business Model Generation. And I'll send you a link okay. to it and to the, the, kind of the, the document that I use. And the reason I, I'm trying to, uh, I really want to get this out, especially in the real estate space, is real, realtors, at least 20, the 20% that I serve, right, like the true entrepreneur-spirited realtors out there. This product is a creative way to get out of your head and onto paper who it is that you serve, who you, what value you bring in, and who your key partners are in making that happen. And it's in such a creative, fun, visually fun way, you end up with this one sheet, a one-page document with little different shaped boxes on it that help you see your business. And going through that process for me made me realize I need to start doing more e-courses. I need to turn my one-on-one coaching into an e-course because yes, I love serving clients with my one-on-one, but the people who really need me can't afford the $5,000 it costs to work one-on-one. And and I I felt awkward about that. And I was like, I don't feel so awkward about that, so I wanted to be able to use that. Yeah. So going through the process, and this is where the magic happened, I found that if I wrote the e-courses based on that, then I could actually use my one-on-one time as a bargaining tool to say, oh, yeah. for instance, I really want to go, I want to take my fire movement to Paris. I really want to do more traveling in 2017 and beyond. And so I found a businesswoman who's trying to really put her business online and, and do a better job of it. So I'm bothering with her with fire obsessions for her to help me boots on the ground in Paris yeah. to put together stuff. And and that to me, like our time together, me pouring into her business and helping her is so much more fulfilling for me. Absolutely. And it, it, I'm not so exhausted by all of the other one-on-one sessions because it's so focused on her. Yeah. So what she's getting is a better version of me as a quote-unquote coach. And so it's, it is kind of like that, uh, going back to that village concept again, right? That's right. It's like, what you need, I have, and vice versa. So, and that all happens going through that business model generation book. And it has been, like, I'm so excited January will be, you know, the new book cover will be out and the new e-course. And, like, there's so much new life in my business because of that one process that I encourage anybody listening or watching to, like, grab that book and go through that process because it was a game changer for me. Well, this conversation was perfect timing for me because I'm going through all of the same things that you were just talking about. So I have the Masterclass Real Estate Academy and I'm really wanting to take that to be much more online e-courses. And I've struggled a bit with the 
uh, one-on-one coaching from a time perspective, you know, is maximizing your time is how to figure out. Not that I don't love, love, love those, those people I work with one-on-one, but I feel exactly the same way you do. So this has been an incredible conversation, and I can't wait to do more stuff with you. We will for sure have links to your book and to your page and to the books you talked about and everything else in the show notes and on our blog post. So thank you so much. I can't even tell you. I wish I had this conversation like five years ago, but the timing must be perfect. So thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up today? Just be yourself. I mean, honestly, it's just embrace your authentic self and everything will fall into place. Yeah. It, it really will. It, 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 it really does work out. It's hard to see in the moment. But yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone else, for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we get to talk to all the people who are doing the great stuff, the movers and the shakers in the real estate industry. And, Deborah, you are for sure right there in the top ten. So. Thank you so much for being on the show. And for those of you who are listening, be sure to subscribe over on iTunes or Podbean. And we love, love, love your reviews. They help us get higher in the rankings so that we can reach more people. So thanks again for joining us today, everybody. And thank you, Deborah. You bet. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, hop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite master class in raising the bar on the real estate industry.